1: On Road this Radio, brought our friends over at the Blue Wire Network. We are another week into the off-season, creeping a little bit closer towards training camp. And this evening, I am joined by the wonderful, the beautiful Dan.
2: Well, beautiful is a little bit of a stretch, but I appreciate mm-hmm. I appreciate the gas. uh Yeah, we're we're good, just inching ever so closely to that uh, that lovely start of the season. Camps upcoming. We still don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, and all is apparently well.
1: All is well on the RotoBiz Network. And before we start the show, I do want to talk a little bit about um, I know we, we plug RotoBiz stuff throughout the show, but I want to plug off, off the top. We got a new podcast network. The more we grow, the more smart people we have on board, the better for us. And it is Stealing Bananas with Ben Gretsch and and of course, Sean Siegel, the wonderful Sean Siegel. That's where the bananas come from. Stealing comes from Ben Gretch. So make sure you're t- tuning tuning into uh, Stealing Bananas each and every week. I think we're doing three episodes a week. They're they're they have much more work I think than we do, Dan.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know they're they're the smart folk. We just try to be entertaining. But anything anything that these guys are involved in, you really should be listening to or reading. Um, Sean is is one of the goats, if you were to ask anybody anybody, they probably would say the same thing. And uh and Ben's got quite the brain on him as well. So I think I think putting these two in the same space is going to be pretty special.
1: And of course on our network, you know only helps our helps our pocket
2: our True. True.
1: <laughs> All right. So while uh Ben and Sean are not busts, the start of today's show are gonna be talking about some busts in good offenses. So oftentimes I feel like we talk about the exciting players and good offenses, some of the bad players and bad offenses. I think we've called this yin-yang in years past. So we're going to do a little bit of yin-yang, got some busts off the top, and then we'll go through 9 through 12 under value. Sound good to you, Dan?
2: I think that sounds like the best plan you've had all day.
1: I I haven't had another plan, so uh, that (laughs) sounds good to me. Oh, I guess I I should credit the person who uh, came up with this was I gave an option of four via the Twitters, and Twitter's highest vote was bust and good offenses. That's why we're talking about bust and good offenses today. And, of course, bust is an operative word. It more or less means overvalued. We're not saying these players are not going to produce many points or they're not going to be any good, more so that they are overvalued at their current ADP via the RotoViz. Triflex app. So we're going to go through, uh, I think it's the top six or seven teams based on total yards in uh, the previous season and talk about who we we think might be overvalued in those offenses. So let's start it off. uh, The team that lost Super Bowl to the best team, uh, the team that is going to be one of the best offenses for many, 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 many years to come. So we've got to find who's overvalued in the Kansas City Chiefs offense. This was an absolutely Easy peasy lemon squeezy choice last year. Last year we were like, okay, it's Edwards-Lair, number one with a bullet, and we were correct about that. Now he's a little bit cheaper, a little bit on the more, a uh, little more affordable side. He's being drafted in the fourth round, around round around, around <clears throat> 404. So that's where he's being uh, taken right now, Clyde Edwards-Lair 404. So is he the overvalued, or is there somebody else in this Chiefs offense that you're saying stay away from?
2: Well, I think he, like you said, has made it in kind of that, that sweet spot of of a nice high-end RB2 because, obviously, all of the opportunity is there. The touches should be there. Uh, and the upside of having the best offense in the league is there. So uh, I'm not really sure that that uh, CEH is going to be our bust in this offense. It's It strikes me a lot as kind of the Green Bay Packers offense. You have your high-end quarterback – you have your high-end wide receiver, one. They obviously have Travis Kelsey. Uh, but then you have the high-end running back, who's also going to score a lot of points. So it's it's tough outside of your top, you know, each the main person in each position to, to really pick somebody there. So I think we're looking at some of the auxiliary pieces. Uh, and I think it's probably got to be McCall Hardman. I, I don't know that really anyone's as high on him as they were. So the real bust potential there probably – isn't uh, as noteworthy as it once was, but I do see Hardman as being the underwhelming piece here. They don't really have a whole lot else. It is kind of the four-horse show in Kansas City, so uh, I think all four of them are relatively comfortable in their pricing. Obviously, uh, I'm not really taking Travis Kelsey as tight end one or in round two at any point in time, but it's pretty well insulated as far as as short-term value, uh, and even like a three-year window for a tight end, I think it's still fine there. So I'd go Hardman here.
1: Yeah, I think Hardman makes sense because he's the only one out, like outside of the main pieces, that has any sort of expectations. And I was, I've been surprised. There's been like people tweeting about uh, taking him in round ten or eleven in, in you know, best ball uh, redrafts. And I'm like, that seems expensive. Basically, we've been shoehorning Hardman into this role for the last two years, and it, it's, he's just showing that. Yes, he might be the second most talented wide receiver in that group, but there's just not much talent separation between him and the wide receiver three, wide receiver four in that offense to where, yes, he might be a decent best ball play, but in terms of like a week-to-week play, I don't think you ever going to be comfortable like, okay, I'm going to put Hardman in my lineup.
2: Yeah, he's currently going wide receiver 61, just ahead of Devontae Parker. I'm taking Parker every single time in in that equation. Uh, he's also still going ahead of guys like Christian Kirk even someone like Nelson Aguilar, he's got more upside, in my opinion, uh, in, in his empty offense that he's going to be playing in, regardless of who's quarterback. And it's it's just kind of a weird spot once you get past kind of that wide receiver fifty range uh, outside of your top, you know, four, the you know, only the top forty-eight uh, of wide receiver. It's just kind of a a hodgepodge of hopeful slot wide receivers and some young guys that are an injury away from seeing some sort of volume. So, um, you know, I'd still probably take a shot on Hardman if we're in that 15, 16, 17 range where we are getting into those no-name type guys. But I'm not reaching for him in the 10th and a best ball.
1: Yeah, and just to give you a look at some of his matching players to the range of outcomes, up, uh, it's not a not a pretty list. You have Ruben Randall, 2013, Cole Beasley, 2013. 2015, 2016, Devin Funchess, 2016, Kendall Wright, and 2013, Leonard Hankerson. So not a ton sort of guys like I want that guy in my roster. Once again, it's not like he's a screaming over because he's being drafted so late. But he's just a guy that I don't think meets expectations in
2: 2021. For
1: sure. Let's move on to the Buffalo Bills. Now – Kind of like what you talk about with the Chiefs where, okay, you know what you know in that offense. The Bills are kind of the same way that, like, they have their top pieces. They have basically Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. And not really anybody below them has expectations. So it's really really hard for anyone to be overvalued. So I've kind of pinpointed Josh Allen as the overvalued here because, you know, once upon a time, we we weren't as confident as Josh Allen being a top NFL quarterback or, you know, being, you know, a top guy. And, yes, he had an amazing 2020, but there is still the possibility that he isn't quite as good as we thought coming out. Um, His his comparables to the range of outcomes that are pretty. There's Watson, Newton, Watson, Wilson, Mahomes. So, definitely, it's looking like a positive 2021. But just in terms of price and in terms of a lower floor, I think Josh Allen might be the overbody piece in this offense.
2: Well, I think he has the the probably the easiest chance to to bust because, like you mentioned, they don't they don't really have a super potent offense. It's potent because of Josh Allen and because of Stefan Diggs. Uh, I'm probably gonna go. And again, we're not talking about super expensive pieces here. But anyone that's stacking the Bills running backs, I mean, you're not getting points there. Uh, Zach Moss going RB 38. De- uh, Devin Singletary going RB 48. I don't think I'm touching either one of them at that point. I'm a big Singletary guy and there's a little bit of opportunity to be had, but they're like dead last in every, every running back category a because Josh Allen is a great running quarterback and B he just, he hawks all of those touchdowns and all, all that opportunity. Plus you still have Cole Beasley in the slot whether he plays or whether he doesn't play. And you have the the ultimate playmaker and Stefan Diggs. That's going to get a fair number of those as well. So uh, I think if, if, Folks are trying to stack these running backs and and just try to play the hot hand. I really don't think there's a ton of upside to even try to play that game here. Even if you are looking at a ten through twelve range uh, as far as where you have to draft them in order to get them, it's just I, I don't see a lot of opportunity. I think it's a really really easy chance for them to bust completely and not even not even afford like an RB three or RB four season. They're they're more than likely beyond that.
1: Yeah, it's reminiscent of early 2010s Cam Newton, where you were like, banging the table like, "Why are the running backs in this offense not getting more touches? Why are the running backs in this offense not getting more touchdowns?" And that's and honestly, Josh Allen is just early 2010s Cam Newton, but he can throw. So, <laughs> so that does you know deflate some of the upside and even the floor of the Bills running backs. So yeah, I don't think either of them are great values um, at their price, but. I think they're just like, I think that the upside of them is the fact that they're in a good offense and, you know, the upside of running back in a good offense is higher. So let's move on to the Tennessee Titans. Um, Tennessee Titans, they've acquired Julio Jones, Ryan Tannehill took another step um, in the right direction this past season. So is it Derrick Henry? Is it A.J. Brown? Is it the newcomer Julio? Where are you shaking your head at with the value in this offense?
2: Well, it, it's tough in this offense to not go for someone like Derrick Henry when you bring in Julio Jones. You add Josh Reynolds even. Uh, obviously, you losing Jonu Smith and Anthony Ferks are being your only other option at tight end. I still feel like this offense is built more to throw at this point. When you add the superstar in Julio Jones, you already have A.J. Brown. This offense, it, it should be untouchable through the air. And that's not really something that Derrick Henry does. Now, we know the last couple of years, they've been more than fine just pounding it, pounding it, pounding between the tackles. And they could save that type of game plan for the playoffs. They know they're getting to the playoffs and they could turn this offense into more of a high flyer. So for me, in round three, you know, he's not a horrible value considering he's going as RB11. But at the same time, I feel like, It could just be a ho hum regular season. He's looking at more likely kind of mid RB two numbers, in my opinion. I I just feel like they take it slower with Henry, and they really take advantage of this passing offense that they have.
1: Yeah, and I do think that it's very much a dynasty take. Like you know, if if you can get Derrick Henry at RB ten, RB eleven, and redraft, you know, to smash, you're still smashing Mm -hmm. that. But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll talk about this in, in a couple of other you know teams as well, but. When you're trying to find the overvalued and you have a guy who's being drafted in the top three rounds and he's a second contract running back, it's not hard to just you know use that, <laughs> use that as a cop-out.
2: Yeah, we, we've been known to dislike second second contract running backs pretty much as much as we dislike tight ends.
1: All right, let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings, another team that has a second contract running back. That's Dalvin Cook. Um, and, of course, they have Irv Smith, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen cousins which of these guys are you saying? Eh, I don't know
2: about that one. This is this is a tough a tough day for me, Nathan, because Kirk's going to be Kirk. He's he's not going to be insane, but he's going to be a low end QB1. He's probably being drafted as a mid QB2. Justin Jefferson's going to be outstanding. Adam Thielen is almost free and he's going to be just fine. Dalvin cook. I don't think is losing his legs the way some feel. Uh, and this offense has gotten in a, into a space where they are super balanced, but we also know that Minnesota historically loves to run. So that leaves the one change in, in, you know, the lineup here and that's at tight end, Kyle Rudolph out the door. They obviously had Herb Smith, but now it's, it's his baby. And, uh, as much as I've been on the hype train and as much as I love Herb Smith and he's not even really being drafted all that high. I still think he's the easy bust here. You get that, that high end tight end two or even high low end tight end one, you know, everyone's hoping for that. And and I have higher hopes than that. Even I think, I think he has the ability to be up with kind of the Noah fans and the TJ Hawkinson's, I just don't think this offense is in a place to support a big time tight end. I think it's really going to focus on Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. Adam Thielen's going to get his, just because he's good enough. And I think that just leaves Irv kind of out to dry, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, my my main concern with Irv over the last basically twenty four months has been like, where is the volume going to come from? And that was before the emergence of Justin Jefferson, where we're like, okay, this is Justin Jefferson and he's not just like you know your average first round wide receiver pick. He's like one of the best receivers in the NFL. So the burdens of uh, Jefferson, the aliveness of Adam Thielen uh, do make it difficult to to find Irv Smith in a startable position week to week. And then you can cop out with Dalvin Cook as well. Um, you know, he's, the, the bottom is going to fall out eventually. Maybe not this year. Um, but in terms of the passing offense, Irv Smith is the guy to possibly fade. All right. Next, we'll go to a team in flux, a team that has a lot of things going on, and that is the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers, don't know whether he'll be there week one or week two or week five, uh, but what does that mean for this offense? Um, I I think that – for the most part, this entire offense is overvalued. I think Devonta Adams is still valued like Aaron Rodgers is a lifetime Packer. I think Aaron Jones is, is being valued like uh, Aaron Rodgers a lifetime Packer. And I think those are assumptions you can't make, um, especially when I think there's a decent chance he's not a Packer, whether it's retirement or trade.
2: Yeah, I, I, and another person that we've kind of historically disliked, uh, even though he's almost always been a pretty good value, has been Aaron Jones and, you know, Obviously, Jamal Williams leaves. He was a pretty big part of the offense, but they also spent a high pick on A.J. Dillon, and we're just going to see A.J. Dillon slide into that Jamal Williams role. Devontae Adams is really the only wide receiver uh, or, honestly, pass catcher, maybe Robert Tanyan ever so slightly, but Adams is going to kind of live and die by whatever whatever Rodgers decides. If Rodgers sits out, he's going to be catching passes from Jordan Love, and I'm not a huge fan of that. Uh, I think if there was an opportunity to buy somebody here, it probably is Jordan Love until a decision is made on Aaron Rodgers. Even though I'm not a big Jordan Love guy, uh, I just think there's a nice opportunity for some, for free, some free value if you can get him uh, for relatively cheap still. And as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, I think he's more likely to sit out than he is to play. Uh, I think that's probably going to be his move. He can opt you know, to just sit the year out under, under the COVID uh, rulings and still make his money and not not get hurt. He'll be fully healthy to the return for 2022. And I would think the Packers at that point would find a trade partner. Um, I don't see it happening. I figured it would have happened on June 1st when that contract and all of those issues took care of themselves. But at this point, I think, yeah, Nathan, I think everybody, um, except for maybe A.J. Dillon and Robert Tanyan, Uh, I I think I don't want any part of any of them. I think if you can get players for cheap – and Jordan Love, sorry. Uh, I think if you can get the players for cheap, they're fine to have. Uh, If everyone's bailing – you know, if you're bailing on Devontae Adams, great. go, Go get a nice discounted Devontae Adams. Just don't expect a lot in 2021.
1: All right, and we'll wrap up our busts in good offenses with the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, one of the more exciting teams with the Cliff Kingsbury offense and Kyler Murray. And they added A.J. Green, if that means anything. Uh It doesn't. <laughs> they have DeAndre Hopkins still. So what? where is the overvalue in this offense for you, Dan?
2: Well, you know, it'd be easy to say Kyler, but with the weapons around him, I don't really think you can say that. Uh You could say Hopkins because he's still being drafted a little bit early and he's, you know, 29 now, I think. But. He's elite still. He hasn't lost a step. Uh, you could throw you could throw the either one of the other two wide receivers in the mix. Uh, even someone like A.J. Green, uh, I think he's got a really good chance at busting, but are we really counting on A.J. Green for anything? Uh, Rondale Moore, to me, feels like a pretty safe play. I don't think there's really any bust potential for someone that really doesn't have much for expectations. Uh, I think the, the clean line to a bust here kind of, kind of like who we talked about earlier in Buffalo is the running backs. Now, James Connor, you know, he, he doesn't look, unfortunately look like he did in college, like Pitt, James Connor. Uh, he never really did fully seem like the same guy uh, after all of the, the health issues, unfortunately, because he was going to be a superstar uh, and he's still a fine player. He's just not what he was. And then, you know, you've, you've got the rest of the backfield, chase Edmonds, uh, and, and the other just kind of additional pieces and people have high hopes. They think James Conner is going to run the ball a whole bunch. And they think chase Edmonds is going to catch a lot of balls. I just don't see how either one of those guys get really good looks just like in Buffalo, but in, in Arizona here, you have actual weapons surrounding Kyler Murray and Kyler still needs to get his. So uh, I just don't think this backfield is due for what some folks seem to think it's due for.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Chase Edmonds is overvalued at RB 28 in the ninth round. I actually like taking a swing on James Conner, RB 41 and 13th round, because if there's a Chase Edmonds injury, James Conner, I, I think even without an injury, James Conner is probably going to lead the team in carries. Uh, and if there is an injury, then you're going to add some, some receive more to that. I think there's some upside at that round 13 price. I'm not going out and, you know, buying James Conner in any league by any means, but I do think it's a palatable price. I think Chase Edmonds in the ninth is not.
2: I, yeah, and, and for sure the pricing wise, you're definitely looking at James Conner instead. I just still think he's got a really good chance at busting A injury, B just the way the offense is.
1: All right. So before we get into our rounds nine through twelve undervalued, let's hear about ourselves Roto Viz. that's right get yourself your promo code rv radio 2021 10 discount It's all you need is what you need for the kids for the children we got it round nine back and forth dan's gonna start off with round nine undervalued looking at rotoviz triflex adp make sure you get your subs so you can get that data hashtag data who is your round nine undervalued?
2: round nine is uh is, it was Pretty easy for me. There's a couple of wide receivers in this round that I thought were, were a bit undervalued, but I know we're pretty big, both big fans of the San Francisco 49er offense. So I think Debo Samuel is pretty easily uh, significantly undervalued here, especially when you look at his counterpart being drafted in round five at wide receiver 15 and Brandon Ayuk. Then you look at Debo Samuel here in the ninth at wide receiver 38. So Debo, we've seen everything we need to see the one thing we're chasing is volume. If if Ayuk and Samuel get kind of an even split along with George Kittle, I think we're looking at mid to late wide receiver twos on both ends and then obviously Kittle's going to be up there assuming he's healthy. So I don't think it really matters who's throwing the ball in San Francisco. I think both of these wide receivers are going to be great, but when you look at the huge round discrepancy between Ayuk and Samuel, uh, I think it's very easy to see that Samuel's undervalued, especially in the ninth round.
1: Yeah, we've talked about this on-air, off-air, that the that the, discre- the discrepancy between Ayuk to Samuel makes no sense. And less so because Ayuk is overvalued, it's more so because Debo is undervalued, that maybe Debo should be in the fifth or sixth round. Um, so yeah, he's the clear undervalue in round nine because he has a similar floor and ceiling to guys that are going in that fifth and sixth round. Now I'll go to round 10, sticking at the wide receiver position, sticking with another offense that we're both bullish on, I believe. And that is the Miami Dolphins and wide receiver Will Fuller. Will Fuller is a guy I am very bullish on for the 2021 season. And the the matches for his uh, range of outcomes app are very pretty. 2016, AJ Green. 2015, Des Bryant. 2015, Randall Cobb. 2013, Michael Crabtree. And 2014, Jordan Nelson. Those are some pretty good wide receivers put those in a offense that we think is going to uh, escalate as T- as Chua gets into year two with better weapons and Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle and Devontae Parker. So I'm all aboard the Will Fuller trade 2021 and huge value in round 10.
2: Yeah. And the big thing with him has always just been the injury. Can he stay on the field? We know he's going to smash when he's on the field. He did it in Houston. He's going to do it in Miami. Uh, but round 10, actually, it seems like kind of a nice nice round. You, you also have Curtis Samuel, who I'm pretty high on. I think I, I'd probably take him ahead of Will Fuller. Uh, and you also have Tyler Boyd there. And, and yes, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins uh, are the future of Cincinnati. But Tyler, Tyler Boyd is, is, is no, no schmuck. Uh, he's, he's there to play. He's going to contribute. And, um, it, you know, that, that's kind of a loaded round there. So I do think Will Fuller is definitely undervalued. Uh, I I would be leaning more in that Curtis Samuel range, but I think if you can get Will Fuller in the wide receiver four range, as far as value goes, even if you take him around earlier than that, he's still probably undervalued because he's got an opportunity to probably post wide receiver two numbers.
1: All right, let's move on to round 11.
2: All right. Round 11. Uh, This one was interesting. We talk about Baltimore quite a bit. Uh, and that's where you see Hollywood Brown in this in this range. But we decided to go a little different route. When normally, we don't try to talk about running backs, especially when we're talking about undervalued. But I think there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of ability that's kind of going underappreciated, and that would be within one Damian Harris. He thought I was going to say Mike Davis just for the memes. But we're going with Damian Harris in round 11. Uh, the Patriots offense is kind of an unknown at this point. They have no pass catchers aside from their tight ends that they went out and gave massive contracts to because they're going to go back to their two tight end sets, whether it's Mac Jones or it's Cam Newton. The one thing we know is that new England loves their running backs and why not love your best running back? Uh, You know, they bring in Ramondre Stevenson as well, but it's the last year we got a, a little sneak peek on, on, um, on Damian Harris and you know what we saw out of college. I still think Damian Harris has enough to be a, a workhorse back in a backfield. New England doesn't use their backs that way, but in this round, I, I feel like you're getting really, really cheap points at the running back position.
1: Yeah, certainly this late in the draft, it's really hard to find a guy who who is not only could be, he is likely to be the RB one, He's still a day-two pick, someone that isn't involved. I mean, like James White might have been a day-two pick back, way back in the day, but he doesn't count because uh, he's just a pass catcher. Um, so, yeah, I think that Damian Harris is a nice price here in the 11th round, has a solid floor and a solid ceiling. Um, I've talked about at length that I like Stevenson as, as a sleeper, but that's just because he's basically free. Like, mm-hmm. Harris is the is the better play. He's just more expensive.
2: Yeah, and it's still not really a big a big value to sink in round 11. You're not... You're not, you know, putting your entire draft on the line by getting Harris in the eleventh.
1: And we'll move to round twelve, undervalued wide receiver. This is an offense that everyone likes to stack. And I feel like he gets becomes the forgotten one in the stacks. Like, okay, I'm gonna stack uh Dak and CeeDee Lamb. I'm gonna stack Zeke and, and Dak Prescott. N- not as many people are like, okay, let's go with the cheapest option here. Michael Gallup in round twelve of a dynasty startup wrote of his triplex ADP. Um he is going at wide receiver. 50 wide receiver 50 for Michael Gallup. And, and I, I, my number one reason for liking him here is it's the cheapest way to get legitimate exposure to the Dallas offense.
2: Here's my massive issue with how the hell Michael Gallup is wide receiver 50. I don't know if you recall, Nathan, but the Pittsburgh Steelers happen to have three wide receivers on their team and they. Uh, well, three that they use, at least. <laughs> Juju Smith-Schuster is wide receiver 29. Okay. The other two are ahead of him. Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 24, and then Chase Claypool at wide receiver 22. Yes, CeeDee Lamb is wide receiver 6. He's better than all three of them. Amari Cooper is going at wide receiver 18. He's better than all three of them. You know who else is also better than all three of those guys, Nathan? Ooh, Michael my- Gallup who's also going at wide receiver 50. If you have three Pittsburgh Steelers with half-dead Ben Roethlisberger going inside your top 30 wide receivers, why the hell is Michael Gallup wide receiver 50? Uh, it's, It's free. He is free. At wide receiver 50, you go out and buy every single piece of Michael Gallup you can find. Because that is ridiculous. I'm I'm starting. My blood pressure's rising because of this.
1: <laughs> Your blood pressure's rising. I think we're going to draft Michael Gallup as soon as we hang up this call. So, uh, right. <laughs> so we should get into that. But yep, that's another edition of our. We had a bust in good offenses, followed by undervalued for round nine through twelve. Next, uh, next week we'll flip it. We'll go undervalued in bad offenses and overvalued nine through twelve. Thanks for tuning in this week. Um, any last words, Dan?
2: That's it. Be friendly.
1: Be friendly. Be cordial. Uh, Cordial is a fun word. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Kadoosh!
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?